I am classically drinking this bottle of pink Moscato out of its bottle. Oh, Rose. I was too lazy to grab my drink. There was people out in the living room. You're such a classy lady. I'm such a classy lady. I can't believe I haven't been scooped up yet. I'm also <laughs> eating donuts. Um, are you eating anything? I just had a glorious piece of pumpkin pie with mountains of whipped cream on top. I'm so jealous. But <sighs> great. I'm having some Timbits from Tim Hortons. And they're so good. I'm obsessed with Tim Hortons. Their chicken sandwiches are the bomb. Tim Hortons sponsor us. Um. <laughs> guys welcome back to dinner and a murder third welcome. episode yes Trace. this is my episode i'm so excited yes, finally chelsea is taking the lead Ugh, i'm carrying all the weight of this freaking podcast i can't even oh believe it oh my god you have to be <laughs> oh bros i can't even imagine the struggle you're under <laughs> the struggle if you don't know i'm rose and i'm chelsea and we're your hosts for dinner and a murder Dinner and a murder. We are going to talk about uh, food and some crime. Some m- nasty, murdery stuff. Oh, it's especially nasty. Um, so I'm up first, guys, because I am reviewing my first restaurant. It's actually well, your no, second that's restaurant. It's my second. Shush, quiet. Leave me alone. <laughs> so was- it's the first one I actually prepared for. <laughs> Rose, where did you eat this week? Where did I eat this week? Oh my gosh. Okay, so I ate at Bab, B-A-B, N-Q in the Northern Quarter. It is in Manchester. It's on Little Lever Street. It's basically in an alleyway. <laughs> um, I wish I came from the other side of it because the side I came through was a little shady. <laughs> did you say, it is, I'm sorry, did you say lever as in like switch the lever? Crank pull the lever. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I needed. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. Okay, continue. I I think it's pronounced Lever Street. Not Lever Street. I don't know. It's um, on Little Lever Street or Lever Street in Manchester. It is a new age kebab place. Um, Mm. It's a form. Yeah, it's a formal sit down restaurant uh, with a theater style kitchen. It has some like minimalistic modern art pieces. It has, like, exposed brick, painted white, and it's very minimalistic all around. Uh, The vibe is very relaxed and casual, and they make fresh flatbread every day. Ooh, yum. So, what did I have, you might ask? I do ask. Um, I had a lychee fizz. That's the drink. It was made with lychee liqueur, Hmm. elderflower cordial. I don't actually know cordial, cordial, cordial. I think it's cordial, 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 and creme de manzana verde. I don't know what the hell that is. Manzana verde. Um, yes, cream de manzana verde. Um, and prosecco. 
I actually stopped reading when I saw Elderflower because Elderflower is my jam. Okay. It sounds very so, hipstery. Very hipstery, very fancy. I also had Bab fried chicken strips with uh, garlic and herb labneth, which is just, I guess, a fancy word for dipping sauce. Mm. And that was my um, appetizer. That's my jam. And my entree was lamb shawarma with pickled turnips and Turkish brown sauce. Mm. Okay. I know it sounds delicious, but guys, it's disappointing. Um... (laughs) The chicken was a little salty, um, but it was the sauce was really good, so it kind of was like the saving grace of the chicken. It was like if very filling though, so I mean definitely don't order it unless you have somebody else to share it with. The lamb shawarma though, oh my gosh, the meat was so good. It was very tender. It had like a slight spice to it, and the pickled turnips really added to that like spiciness. And it had uh, like a sweet, the brown Turkish sauce on it was kind of sweet in the way that like a barbecue sauce is sweet. So I wasn't a huge fan of that, but it wasn't like a deal breaker. There was so much meat and sauce in the flatbread, though. It just started falling apart and it made me really sad. I was like trying to eat it super fast. I'm like, the flatbread is so good and like fresh and warm and it's like falling apart. But it just it was so much food. Just shove the whole thing in your mouth. Just shove the whole thing in your mouth. And it was just so much food. Uh, I couldn't eat all of it, but it was pretty, yeah, it was pretty good. The drink was so good. Oh, angels <laughs> cried. Um, <laughs> it was honestly like the saving grace of the whole meal. It just was so good. It wasn't overly sweet. The food was good, but it's not exactly like my jam, my like forte. If I did go back to the restaurant, it'd be for that eight pound drink. Okay. Eight Uh, pounds. Oh, God. I know. It was kind of expensive. It had like this weird like tomato thing inside of it that like as a garnish not to eat, like drink it. I would never pay that much for a drink. (laughs) I know, but I really, I saw elderflower and I was like, I'm going for it. Sold. Um, Sold. Give it to me. Take my money. The place was definitely like higher price, um, especially for kebabs. And honestly, I would rather go to my local kebab shop to get one from there than the high end kebab joint. But it was like a nice little treat, not something I would go like on the rig, but it was nice. The drink was nice. The atmosphere was nice. It was raining when I went and the people were super cool, kind of hipstery. Yeah, but it was cool. So if you want to go check it out for yourself, I mean, I recommend you try it. I mean, I recommend everybody tries new things. Definitely get that lychee fizz. Yes. I, it's super good. Every time you say the word shawarma, all I can think is Tony Stark asking if they can please go have shawarma after yes. their Avengers fight. I love shawarma. <sighs> well. Just thinking about it, it makes me super hungry again. <laughs> I'm going to eat uh-huh. my donuts. Why you tell me a story? That gives me the perfect segue into my topic this week, which... Ooh, pretty tell. <laughs> ah, yes! Fancy, you ask. <laughs> this week, I am talking about the infamous, the terrible, Shishka Vlad. Shishka Vlad! Shishka Vlad! Vlad the Impaler. Ooh. Oh, goodness. This was um, this was quite an episode to research. Let's get started. Good. 
So, today, obviously, we're talking about Vlad the Impaler. He was, I'm not sure if he could be classified as a serial killer, um, but he's definitely a mass murderer. Hmm. His full name from birth was Vlad Tepes, Teeps, Teps. He's Romanian. If we have any Romanian listeners, please let me know how you say that word. (laughs) His span of crimes is iffy. Um, Vlad lived in the 1400s and record keeping was not the best back then. So we're not entirely sure when his pattern of cruelty started, but we do know it ended when he died. So (laughs) it lasted from... Uh or <laughs> yes uh, so he lived for the better part of the middle of the 1400s duly noted yes all right guys so bear with me i got a lot of my pronunciations from the merriam webster dictionary and i really hope they're right <laughs> he was born vlad the third to vlad the second of wallachia and Possibly Eupraxia of Moldavia, sometime between 1428 and 1431. Vlad okay. the S- yes, yes. And <laughs> let me explain three year gap. <laughs> let me explain that a little bit. Uh, Vlad the Second had an unknown first wife. We know oh. that he had a first wife, but there's no records naming her. No one knows if any of his children were born from his first wife. Uh, so Vlad, okay. yes. So Vlad III's actual age is unknown, but historians estimate that he was born in that date range because he was old enough to be a candidate for the throne of Wallachia in 1448. Okay. So based on sense. yeah, based on rules of deduction, he was probably be born between 28 and 31. Okay. Uh, which would have made him around 17 to 20 years old in 1448. Oh, dang. Yeah, so you don't have to be that old to be ruler of Wallachia. He's like a baby. Yeah. And for those that don't know, I sure as hell didn't know, Wallachia was a principality which would later become a part of the United Principalities with Moldavia, which we know today as Romania. So... His name, obviously, is something that people talk about a lot. Vlad Tepes, Teeps, whichever it really is, was given the sobriquet, which is a nickname or alias chosen for you by someone else. Dracula, which was taken from his father's sobriquet, Dracul. Ooh. Yes. Vlad Dracul, who we'll call Vlad the Father means Vlad the Dragon in medieval Romanian. He was given this name after he became a member of the Order of the Dragon, which was... Oh, wow. Yes. The Order of the Dragon was a military fraternity formed in 1408 for the purpose of fighting the enemies of Christianity, in particular the Ottoman Empire. Of course. (laughs) Of course. Of course, the Ottoman Empire. Those, Those damn bastards. (laughs) <laughs> I'm learning about them right now in school, so. Oh, good stuff. So, I well, then I hope you don't know any of this. Oh, well, probably not because my f- focus is from the England perspective. Okay, cool. This happened in Romania, so we safe. 
<laughs> okay. Dracula is the Slavonic genitive form of Dracul, meaning the son of Dracul. So his name was literally Vlad, son of Dracul. Ooh. In modern Romanian, Dracul means the devil. Which kind of <laughs> You're subtle. Literally the devil. Fighting fighting on behalf of Christianity. The while devil. My name is the devil. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so obviously that contributed to the family's reputation. There are I two Yes. There are two known letters written by Dracula, which he signed as Dragulia. D-R-A-G-U-L-Y-A and Draculia, D-R-A-K-U-L-Y-A, in the late 1470s. It seems a lot like Old English, where there's like 10 different spellings for the same word. Yeah, I, I was just thinking that. I was like, yeah, maybe he was illiterate. A lot of uh, nobles or royalties were actually, could only really sign their names sometimes. They had like scribes who uh, wrote everything they said. So um, hmm. sometimes they only knew how to sign their names. So that could have been it. Possibly. I don't know. I don't Possibly. Know. have no idea. <laughs> Didn't yeah. study Vlad the Impaler. <laughs> well, there's obviously because of poor record keeping, there's not a whole lot that's known factually about him. So, uh, yes. In diplomatic reports from the 1500s, he's referred to as Dracula. Ooh. I'm going to butcher this. Dracuglia or Dracula with a K. That makes, that was beautiful. Dracula with a K, yeah. Vlad III earned his own sobriquet. Wait, okay. I done goofed. Okay. So in the beginning, I said that he was born with the name Vlad Tepes. I was wrong. Vlad III earned his own sobriquet, Vlad Tepes, in Romanian historiography, which means Vlad the Impaler. Ooh. So, sorry about earlier. I definitely misspoke and said that he was born with that name. He was not. It was given to him. From this point forward, I'll refer to Vlad the Impaler simply as Vlad, and Vlad Dracul will be Vlad the Father. Okay. Obviously, there's not a whole lot known about his early years, but what we do know is that Vlad III was the second legitimate son of Vlad II. A fun fact, the house where Vlad is rumored to have been born is still standing in the main square of Sigishara in modern-day Mears County, Romania. We should go. <laughs> we should totally go. I mean, donate to our Patreon so we can go. <laughs> I mean, it it's says, for you guys. <laughs> it says he was born there, and it, it's he was allegedly born there. We're not entirely oh sure. My. Supposedly, allegedly. When Vlad was young, probably between five or ten years old, his father seized control over Wallachia when its reigning ruler, Vlad's father's half brother, died. Cool. Um, yeah, so his dad was an illegitimate son, so he wasn't technically in line for the throne. So he took it by force when his half-brother died. That makes sense. Yeah, right. Just take what you want. After becoming the ruler, Vlad the father wrote several charters, which were the first documents mentioning his family. It's because of the poor record-keeping of the time that much of Vlad's early life is unknown. 
And because at the time he came to power, Vlad the father came to power, he was already married to his second wife. So no one actually knows who his first wife was. Oh, that's upsetting. I know, right? Poor woman. Like, the woman's matter too. I mean, the woman's. The women matter too. Anyway, when he was a teenager, Vlad's father opposed the Ottoman Empire moving into Transylvania. So the Ottomans wanted to invade and Vlad's dad was like, nah. <laughs> okay. As a result, Vlad the father was ordered to appear before the Ottoman Sultan. Vlad the father, Vlad, and his younger brother, Radu, 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 went to the Sultan and were all imprisoned. Yay. <laughs> Fun times. Vlad the father was released in less than a year, but the Sultan kept his sons to ensure Vlad the father's loyalty. Ooh. Yeah. Good stuff, right? Yeah. Here's where it gets even sure. better. While his sons were imprisoned, Vlad the father rebelled against the Ottoman Empire and supported the Christian king of Poland and Hungary. He was convinced that the Sultan surely had his sons murdered as punishment for his disloyalty. But for some reason, the Sultan had not harmed the boys. He was like, hmm. yeah, they've been butchered for the sake of Christian peace. Had to be done. Literally, Suspicious. no regard for the lives of his children. So that's dad of the year. Mm. Historians are uncertain about the circumstances of Vlad and Radu's imprisonment past this point. Later events imply that the boys were released because Vlad the father pledged his loyalty to the sultan again. Hmm. Yeah, so a uh, bit of a flip-flopper, this one. Yeah, I can sell. It's estimated that the imprisonment of Vlad and Radu lasted for about four or five years. Um, yeah, so those keeping track with how to make a serial killer, uh, that means Vlad was most likely a prisoner, a political hostage for his formative teenage years. Hmm. Good stuff. <laughs> Foreshadowing. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. In November 1447, Vlad and Radu were back home in Wallachia. Don't know how long they'd been there or the circumstances of them going home, but they were. A ruler from Hungary, John Hunyadi, quote, broke in, unquote, to Wallachia. How a person can break into a township? Actually, Wallachia is described as a state. How someone can break into a state is beyond me, but whatever. He broke in, which <laughs> led Vlad and Radu to run away to the Ottoman Empire. Yeah, so they ran away to the Ottoman Empire willingly, I assume. So their okay. imprisonment must not have been that bad if they went well, there willingly. Political prisoners get I don't more know. I'm thinking than regular prisoners. That's true. I'm thinking maybe they bonded with the Sultan because like they should have been killed when their father disobeyed the Sultan, but they weren't. Mm. You think there's like a Stockholm syndrome kind of thing or Possibly. I I don't know. I mean, I can only assume because of context clues about yeah. like within the story. That's that's just my personal thought. Okay. But anyway, John Hunyadi was in Wallachia. Vlad and his little brother ran away. And Hunyadi then killed Vlad the father and his eldest son. At the time, the two were co-rulers of Wallachia. That's nice. Yeah, right. 
Hunyadi made the son of Vlad the father's cousin the new ruler of Wallachia. Yeah, so the new ruler that John Hunyadi installed after he killed Vlad the father was a Christian who opposed the Ottoman Empire. So I guess they just wanted a reliable Christian person on the throne. Yeah, because their dad was like flip-flopping. Flip-flopping all over the place. He was. Vlad was all about Vlad. Oh, so there was like a kingmaker, like Jamie Lannister, who killed basically the king and then installed Robert. Okay. Instead (laughs) of... Spoilers. (laughs) If anyone hasn't watched Game of Thrones yet, but John Hunyadi was actually a ruler in Hungary. So he was like a really high powered person. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. About a year into the new ruler's reign, he left Wallachia on a military campaign against the Ottoman Empire. Vlad, sneaky little devil entered Wallachia with an Ottoman army behind him and briefly tried to steal the throne. But the ruler came back from his military campaign with his own army, and Vlad fled back to the Ottoman Empire. He was like, wow. oh, you caught me. Guess I'll go home now. I guess I'll go home now. I like guess that you call him a little devil when his name means the devil. Right? <laughs> Jokes. Puns. so he's fighting for the ottoman empire now so is he like at this point not a christian anymore i debate yeah assumed debated he was (laughs) technically through most of his life he was considered eastern orthodox yes thank you that's what i was trying to say yes okay okay (laughs) i understand yes (laughs) for most of his life and I'll get into that in a minute. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Continue. Yes. I'm not going to talk too much about his reign in Wallachia because really, we're not here to talk about dates and alliances. We're here for the impaling. We're not here for all that history junk. Yeah. Who really cares about that? Let's get to the gory crap. (laughs) Yeah. So here's the history of his reign in Wallachia, the footnoted version. His first reign was from October to November of 1448, the Snakey Snake. It's really short. I know, right? I mean, that's the time when he was like, oh, yeah, got me. Guess I'll go home now. Oh, okay. Okay, I get it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Snakey Snake. His second reign was from April 1456 to July 1462. So he had a couple years under his belt that time. Yeah, like six years. A little bit. From there, he was imprisoned in Hungary between 1462 to about 1475. Um, Oh, damn. Yes. Yes. So he was imprisoned for more than 10 years. They're not entirely sure when he was released. They think it was around 1475 because that's when he makes his next appearance in the history books. Um, so he spends most of his life like in, like a prisoner in some way, shape, or form. In prison, yeah. He spends most of his okay. life as a prisoner. Um, and again, like I said earlier, I'm not sure of the circumstances of the imprisonment. But this second time around, when he was imprisoned in Hungary, he was only released when he agreed to convert to Catholicism. Ooh, that's always fun. Yeah, right? So technically he was a Catholic, but... Only in name. Okay. 
His third and final reign was from around November 1476 to December of the same year or January of 77. Oh, so not very long. It's, yeah, it was a couple months and they're not entirely sure when that reign ended. It's between December and January of the next year. Okay, accepted. (laughs) Yes, without further ado. Let's get the gruesome stuff out of the way first. Graphic warning. This is very upsetting. (laughs) So exciting. All right. My stomach churned while I was writing this, so I can only imagine how difficult this is going to be to read. Okay. Lay on me. I'm ready. Vlad's preferred method of torture was impalement because it was extremely slow and painful. Hmm. My kind of guy. Vlad usually had a horse attached to each of the victim's legs and a sharpened stake gradually forced into the body. Fun. Mm. The end of the stake was usually oiled and not too sharp, else the victim might die too quickly. Okay. Mm -hmm. The stake was usually inserted into the body through the buttocks and was forced through the body until it came out of the mouth. However, (laughs) there were also victims impaled through other orifices or through the abdomen or chest. How long would they live like that? Or they already dead? They're still alive because he said torture. Yes. Yes. This is a form of slow torture. I don't know how long it took the victims to die. I think it depended on, you know, where they were impaled and how much pressure was on them on the stake. Oh, God. All right. Fair warning. This next bullet is really upsetting. Oh, good. (laughs) If the rest wasn't already. Infants were sometimes impaled on the stake, forced through their mother's chest. No! I'm so upset. Mm. Records indicate that victims were sometimes impaled so that they hung upside down on the stake. So, mouth first, instead of butt first. That's awful. Yeah. He would place the stakes with the dead people already on them, on the outskirts of the cities that were his targets. The height of the spear indicated the rank of the victim. So, there's that. Guess he wanted to show the townspeople that he could kill even the most powerful people. Yeah. Yeah. It was once reported that an invading Turkish army turned back in terror when it encountered thousands of rotting corpses impaled on the banks of the Danube River. Well, I don't fucking blame them. Honestly, if I saw that, I'd probably shit my pants. Right? And probably die, to be oh, honest. I, my God. I don't know how you come back from seeing something like that. I, I'm I, just going to drink this whole bottle of wine. I'm so glad I ate all my donuts. <laughs> if therapists were a thing back then, Vlad would have them perpetually in business. Oh, my God. That's the yeah. babies. The babies. <laughs> If the dog is impaled in the next part of your bullet, I'm going to be even more upset. No dogs specifically are harmed (laughs) that I know of. 
But horses? No, I'm kidding. I hope not. God, now I'm sad. To continue. <sighs> okay, go on. He impaled entire armies at a time, often thousands Jesus. of people. And what, they lining up and watching this happen, and they're just like, "Yeah, I'm okay with this." I don't even know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I guess he took them as prisoners first, obviously, and then you know, one by one. That's that's time consuming. <sighs> you know, that's some dedication. Something well, wrong I mean, with you. He didn't personally kill each and every person. Like he oh, had his okay. armies do it. <laughs> I was like, damn. <laughs> They didn't all get the royal treatment from Vlad. Okay. Well, the army suck ass too. Like, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. It's. I'd have been like, I'm not doing that shit. You could fucking kill me. I'll chew on some cyanide and kill myself right now if I have to do that. I quit. I did not sign up for this. (laughs) Like we heard before, he didn't discriminate. Men, women, and babies were all impaled. What a monster. Yeah, he's he's trash. On St. Bartholomew's Day in 1459, that is August. Ooh, significant. Yeah, that is August 24th for those, including myself, that did not know. Oh, I think that's one of my grandfather's birthdays. I don't remember uh-huh. which one. Anyway, Sorry. on, on that day <laughs> in 1459, Vlad had 30,000 of the merchants and boyers of the Transylvanian city of Brasov impaled. 30,000? 30,000. Were there any people left? Did the plague take out a third of Europe or was it Vlad the Impaler? Bro. <laughs> like, he's, he's terrible. Also, Ugh. boyers, I didn't know what they were, so I googled it. Boyers are high royalty in Russian or Romanian society, something like that. But okay. they, they are the next class of people down from the ruling class. Oh, I didn't know. Like an like a aristocrat? Yeah, yeah. They're they're okay. aristocrats, pretty much. Okay. I I didn't know that. Yes. Fun so fact. again, he didn't discriminate. He killed everybody. He did not <sighs> exclusively impale his victims. No. He was a jack of all tortures. He also liked to put nails in people's heads. What the fuck? Cutting off their limbs. Blind- mm, yep. Blinding. Strangulation, burning, cutting off noses and ears. What the fuck? Genital mutilation, especially with (gasps) women. Hmm, that's interesting. Mm. Scalping, skinning, exposure to the elements or exposure to wild animals. Ooh. And burning alive. Like at the stake, like. I guess so. I guess. I don't know. I mean, not that it matters. Yeah, <laughs> it again, sucks either uh, way. The paper I read was not entirely specific on the burning process. He was known for killing his enemies or people he perceived to be enemies. But many of his victims were his own people. The people of Wallachia. What the flip? Yeah. What the hell? What's what the wrong? What? This sounds like some paranoid, like, fucking sociopath. Yeah. Like, what? His- Wallachia during his reign is said to have been incredibly peaceful, which can you blame them with him as their ruler? Anything they do, like he'd kill them. Nobody commits crime or talks to each other. (laughs) Nobody. Okay, so that was the gross stuff. But I can't promise that the rest of this isn't 
also upsetting. It's just not quite as gross. Rumors of Vlad's cruelty spread throughout his life, though the first written account is from a papal legate, legate? I'm not sure. Mm, I'd have to look at the word. <laughs> yeah, he's um a Catholic person in the church who wrote to Pope Pius II in 1462. So that's the My first ri- that's the first written account of Vlad's cruelty. A singer, Michael Behem, he's German, wrote a long poem about Vlad, allegedly based on a conversation with a Catholic monk who escaped Vlad's prison. It was called Story of a Bloodthirsty Madman called Dracula of Wallachia. Von einem Wutrich, der heißt Dracula weider von der Wallachai. That was in German, because the poem was in German. But It I sounds like yeah. a bop. <laughs> right? That was supposed to have been said in German, but I can't pronounce anything German, so I didn't I can't try. speak German, so. <laughs> no. <laughs> Give me a Spanish name, I got you, but German's out of my league. <laughs> The poem was performed at the court of the Holy Roman Emperor. Some accusations made in the song include an anecdote that Vlad had two monks impaled to assist them to go to heaven. Also, mm-hmm. Rose, the next part's bad. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Also ordering the impalement of their donkey because it kept braying after its master's death. Oh my god. Uh, Babies and animals are a no-go for me. I know. I know. I can't even watch a movie where the dog dies. Like, don't do that. I'm so upset. (sighs) And another accusation that the song made was that Vlad was duplicitous because he promised to support both the Christians and Ottomans, but kept neither promise. Vlad looked out for Vlad. He's really the devil. He's really the devil. I'm convinced that he is, yes. El Diablo. He's mentioned by Antonio Bonafini in Historia Pannonica, published in 1495. And I'm going to read an excerpt from that. Read on me. All right. Quote, Turkish messengers came to Vlad to pay respects, but refused to take off their turbans according to their ancient custom. Whereupon he strengthened their custom by nailing their turbans to their heads with three spikes so that they could not take them off. Unquote. Okay. That was the nailing in the head. You know, he's the biggest fucking douchebag of all time. He's, he's, <sighs> mm, he's in the bad place okay. for sure. The Germans wrote a lot of stories about Vlad. They had feelings about him. Okay. Stories about Vlad were published in German before 1480. Allegedly, they were written in the 1460s based on context clues in the writings. They reference one of Vlad's military campaigns from early 1462, but not his opposition's counter campaign from later that year. So that's when they think it was written. The stories detailed Vlad's conflicts with the Transylvanian Saxons. So people think the stories came from the Saxons themselves, mostly because the writings are a firsthand account of Vlad's destruction. They include exact buildings he pillaged and the dates of the attacks. Okay. Yeah. They describe Vlad as a, quote, demented psychopath, a sadist, a gruesome murderer, a masochist, Worse than Caligula and Nero, unquote. (laughs) 
quite the legacy. Hmm. Quite yes. legacy. For our non-history buffs that don't know, Caligula was a tyrannical emperor of the Roman Empire from 37 to 41 in the Common Era, literally before we were even in triple digits. And <laughs> Nero was another Roman emperor who had his mother murdered and most of his royal court executed. Oh, and, he's my favorite. And Vlad was worse than both of them, according to the Saxons. I agree. Yes, I do, too. <laughs> it's widely believed that these early accounts of Vlad's cruelty should be taken with a grain of salt, because it's quite probable that the Saxons exaggerated or completely made up the things they wrote about him. German Saxons and the Russian population of Wallachia hated each other. They each thought the other were the scum of the earth. It sounds You're the scum between my toes. You're the scum between my toes. <laughs> Except it wasn't a love letter in disguise. <laughs> it sounds a lot like the Hatfields and McCoys to me, personally. Yeah. The end of the 1400s saw the invention of the printing press. So stories of Vlad were printed en masse and sold throughout Europe as entertainment. Some even included a woodcut image of Vlad casually enjoying a meal surrounded by impaled people. Super cash. I've Super seen that picture. Cash. I yes. think I've seen that picture. It's a very famous picture. Uh, if you Google, Google, if you Google. Google Vlad the Impaler, it's one of the first ones that comes up. Wait, I have a question. Is he still alive while all these people are talking shit about him? That's a good question. A lot of the stories written about him were published after his death. So, okay. like, they were written as they as things were happening but not published and given to the public until okay. after his death because okay that makes sense because you were saying they were written during time periods where i know you said he was like imprisoned and i'm like so they're just talking mad shit about this dude they're afraid of but i get it they wrote it during that time but it published after he died okay yes exactly <laughs> okay i get it now <laughs> yes there is an excerpt from another book which i will read pieces of this one's a bit longer i will post the full quote on the website but this book is called a miss about a mischievous tyrant called dracula voda okay and it reads quote vlad had a big copper cauldron built and put a lid made of wood with holes in it on top he put the people in the cauldron and put their heads in the holes and fastened them there Ooh. and let the people cry their eyes out until they were boiled to death Oh, he ordered that women be impaled together with their suckling babies on the same stake. No, unquote. Yeah, there's there's That's more to the that worst. that I chose not to read, but it will be on the website if you'd like to read that excerpt in full. So that's what the Germans had to say about him. There were also Slavic stories about him um, and the Slavic people had. Different opinions. Different opinions, okay. for sure. They wrote more than 20 manuscripts, which together were called The Tale About Voivode Dracula. Uh, Voivode, I know I haven't used this word yet, but it means ruler. It's the word they used instead of king in Slavic nations. Oh, cool. Yes. Historians say the stories are a mix of fact and fiction. About half of them reference Vlad's cruelty, but they also talk about how his cruelty helped strengthen the government of Wallachia. Mm. 
Yeah, so basically they said that, yeah, he did that, but it was for a good cause. The ends justify the means. It sounds like prop- like propaganda. It does sound like propaganda. <sighs> yeah, so They're they try... Glad. Yeah. They try to justify his actions by putting political reason behind them. But when you know what he did and to whom, it's really difficult to justify that as anything more than psychopathy, psychopathy in my mm-hmm. opinion. German stories were more like the scary stories you tell around a campfire, and Slavic ones were more like, Vlad is a diplomat, he's doing what he has to do. No. He, he has to impale people through their butt into their mouth. Yeah. He used cruelty as a fear tactic to keep people in line. And keep his enemies away. There's an anecdote that goes with that also. Allegedly, he killed thieves, so his people almost never stole anything. To the point that there was a golden cup sitting in a public fountain that no one would touch. Because they were afraid that if it was reported stolen, Vlad would come kill them. I'd risk it. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Pay my tuition. (laughs) By modern standards... Vlad's cruelty would have been considered genocide and war crimes. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Sounds like it to me. Pretty much. Around November 1476, Vlad had deposed the ruler of Wallachia in a battle. This is what started his third and final reign over Wallachia. Mm-hmm. The deposed ruler went crying to the Ottoman sultan, and the crybaby <laughs> came back with an Ottoman army which killed Vlad and massacred his army. Oh, so that's when he died. This is how he died. They're not entirely sure when he died, but it was either December of 76 or January of the next year. That's when this, this deadly battle took place. It is said that the Ottomans chopped Vlad's body to pieces and sent his severed head to the sultan. I hope he was alive when they did it. Allegedly. I'm sorry, that's a horrible thing to say. But he's a horrible person. I know, but you don't wish horrible things on people. <laughs> okay. It's the ca- it's the Catholic superstition to me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. I'm done with the grossness and har- horribleness that is Vlad the Impaler. I'm sorry you guys had this. to. Yeah, I'm sorry you guys had to sit through that with me. That was really hard. You got to drink through it, so it's all right. Now let's talk about movies. Yay! Yes. My favorite. I know. There are countless books written about Vlad the Impaler's crimes. This is where we get most of our information about him. So, like, all the anecdotes about him, you know, things that we assume are history. Like, we really okay. don't know. We don't know. But it's anyway. like using context clues, like being a detective when you're a historian. Exactly. You gotta be Sherlock Holmes. Yes. There are also countless documentaries about Vlad if you type Vlad the Impaler into YouTube, you could scroll for days. Yeah, it's, I believe it. I believe it. Most of the image we associate with Vlad today isn't even about him at all. I know you are all wondering when I would get to this. <laughs> I know I was. You were. We're going to talk about Count Dracula. 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 <laughs> Wait, the Count from Sesame Street? <laughs> New title of the episode. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my gosh. Oh, uh, jokes. All right. Go. Are you done now? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. 
Count Dracula is a fictional character written by Bram Stoker in his 1897 novel, Dracula. Hmm. Yes. Because of the name, most people assume that the fictional character Count Dracula is based on the very real Vlad the Impaler. They're wrong. <gasps> what? Everything yes. I know is wrong. Everything you know is a lie. In reality, Bram Stoker knew almost nothing about Vlad the Impaler when he wrote his book. Stoker's oh. entire knowledge of the history of Wallachia came from the book Account of the Principalities of Wallachia and Moldavia with Political Observations Relevant to Them. Y'all need to think of shorter titles. Goodness. <laughs> no, historians like to be long and lengthy so that you know what you're getting yourself into. The title of that book was Two Whole Lines. That is too much. <sighs> it is what it is. You have to accept yeah. it. These are my people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, said book was written by William Wilkinson in 1820. The character, Count Dracula, shares a name with Vlad and nothing more. Vlad, to the best of our knowledge anyway, did not suck the blood of his victims. But honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he had. I would not put it past him. Would not at all. Regardless of the dissimilarities, the impact of Count Dracula on modern fiction is incalculable. There are literally hundreds of movies either about Dracula or that include him as a character. Before Stoker wrote about it, the vampire was nothing more than folklore. He took it and turned it into the forefather of the horror genre as we know it. Oh, so like Dracula was like a, a folktale from Romania? I'm not sure how much he took from folklore and how much he made up himself, but the, okay. the mythical creature vampire was oh, okay. just folklore. Yes. Okay. All right. I understand what you're saying now. Yes. So my understanding <laughs> okay. is that he made up the character Count Dracula and made it a vampire, but the vampire myth was folklore. Okay. Yeah. No, I got that part. So yes. people just think that it has something to do with Vlad the Impaler because Dracula, the name, and that Dracula comes from Romania. Because That's the only thing they have in common. Vlad's name, he was given the sobriquet Vlad the Impaler. Yeah. After his cruelty started to come to light publicly, like okay. to, the, to the general public. But before that, he was called Vlad Dracula after his father. Yes. So he was Dracula. That was his real name. And okay. I think, you know, some history books wrote him as Vlad Dracula instead of Vlad the Impaler, which is which might be how Bram Stoker came to the name Dracula. Oh, OK, because you were saying that had like he's not based off of him, but I'm like, that's two big similarities. Like, yeah, <laughs> the Dracula, the vampire Dracula is from Romania, just like Vlad the Impaler. Well, no, Vlad, no. <gasps> Vlad the Impaler is from Romania as we yes. know it today. But Count Dracula, the fictional character, is from Transylvania. Those are not the same place. No, I don't think so. Okay, okay. I don't know. I was I literally if, didn't know. If they are, I sound really <laughs> stupid, but I'm if, pretty sure Transylvania <laughs> is a country by itself. Okay. I have no idea. <laughs> okay. 
Someone's yelling I, at us right now. I did it. I did it. So in the distance, someone is like, we're not the same. We're not. <laughs> we're not a country either. Yeah. <laughs> I just um, have actually Dracula is the one book I didn't read. I read Frankenstein and that was it. Yes. Yes. I, I own the book. I own Dracula, but it's. It's a really difficult read. I've I've reread the first chapter maybe five times and I can't get through it. Mm. Maybe one day I'll finish reading it. You have to focus on it. I it's really it's you really do. Like it's written not in old English, but in like really fancy like conversational English. Yeah, Victorian English. Yeah. Um sometimes they can be a bit wordy. They are. They're really wordy and they use it's too much. It's too much. It's really, it's, <laughs> I have to like sit and focus on it to understand a single sentence. Yeah, that's understandable. Anyway. Continue. What I was saying. Bram Stoker took the vampire from folklore and turned it into the forefather of the horror genre as we know it today. Yes. Which, when you think about it, the book was published in 1897, which is... Only a decade after Jack the Ripper. Yeah, I was just about to say, I was like, yo, that's really close to Ripper. Maybe Dracula is based off of the Ripper. Of like, I, yes, that's what I'm thinking, because I see a lot of similarities between Dracula's character and Jack the Ripper. So 10 years after Jack the Ripper terrorizes London, Stoker uh -huh. writes a book about a creature that only comes out at night, preys mm. on women and sucks their blood from their throats. The Ripper slit women's throats. Ooh. Coincidence? Yeah, I could see that. I think not. That's funny because like a lot of, I think a lot of like, not a lot, but there have been like Jack the Ripper's a vampire kind of tropes through yes. the media too. So that kind of makes sense that he would be based more off of uh, Jack the Ripper than Vlad the Impaler. Yeah, Ooh. I... I mean, it's my personal belief that Bram Stoker was most likely inspired by Jack the Ripper. Wait, where is Bram Stoker from? Do you know? He was born in Ireland, but I believe he lived in London for most of his adult life. Okay. So if he lived in London, he might have lived in the East End and kind of like had a firsthand experience. It's possible. Uh, I mean, don't quote me on that. Level I'm not of terror. I'm not 100% no sure. Just... Yeah. Taking context. For some reason, I thought he was Welsh, but um, um, <laughs> he's Irish. Okay. He, yes, he was Irish. Um, last night, I actually tried to watch a documentary about about Dracula, about the character and Bram Stoker. And uh -huh. it was really deceptive because I was on Amazon Prime and the thumbnail for this documentary looked like the graphics looked really, really up to date, like 2019 up to date. And then okay. I clicked on it and started watching it. And it was from 2007. Ooh, fun. It was like the picture was square, right? Like remember square TVs? Yeah. Good and times. it was narrated by the most boring voice I could possibly imagine. I felt like I was in middle school being forced to watch <laughs> documentary. It was that bad. <laughs> Uh, those middle school biology videos sometimes. <laughs> um, anyway, it was from uh, the first 30 minutes of that documentary that I sat through that I learned that Bram Stoker was Irish. And I think that they said he moved to London in his adulthood. Okay. 
make sense? I lost my place. Here we go. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) One of the more recent films about Dracula is Dracula Untold from 2014. Hey. It starred Luke Evans as Count Dracula or Vlad the Third Dracula. Um, Hashtag Bay. (laughs) Yeah, he... It depends on where you look for the cast listings, but I've seen him listed under both names. Okay. This movie was not well received. Yeah, I remember seeing it in theaters. At all. I saw it in theaters also. It has a 6.3 out of 10 on IMDb. That's pretty average. That's a that's passing. Well, wait. No, it's not. It's not a passing grade. 23% on Rotten Tomatoes with a 58% audience score. Beautiful. 40% on Metacritic. And um, wow, Google. 93% Google score. Google always comes in for the win. They're always like, oh, is this a shitty movie? We'll bring it up. <laughs> Dude, literally 23% from Rotten Tomatoes and 93 from Google. I feel like Google users are like the everyday person. They're like, I'm not here to see if it has a good plot or a good cinematography or right? whatever. I just he- want to see some people explode. Yes. <laughs> or something. Literally. Oh, my God. I used to get so frustrated because my boss looking at you, Mike, only <laughs> went to movies for the fight scenes. Yeah. Well, I go see, I still see the Fast and Furious movies. Dude, oh, I'm upset with you. I'm sorry. No, I go to movies to see if they're good, but like there are some movies that I just like veg out to, you know, just for like entertainment's sake. Oh my gosh. I like the ones that are supposed to be really serious movies, but you watch them like they're comedies. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Twilight. Plus I love <clears throat> The Rock, so I'll, I'll see any garbage movie he's in. Of course, of course. He... That man needs to take a break. Okay. Anyway. Somebody give this man a bed to take a nap in because he needs one. (laughs) He needs one real bad. Anyway. Off our tangent. (laughs) Dracula Untold. I saw it when it was in theaters in 2014 and have not seen it since. So my memory is a little hazy. But I remember the impressions it gave me. Like, I I remember how it made me feel. (laughs) Yes. So cinematically, it was beautiful. That really can't be argued. It was well shot and the visual effects were excellent. Yeah, I agree. In my uneducated consumer perspective, because I saw this in the beginning of my first semester of college. So I didn't know any better yet. (laughs) The story left me feeling really confused. I felt like I should have done my research on both Dracula and Vlad the Impaler before going to see the movie. The story was a really weird mix of both the history of Vlad the Impaler and the fictional background of Count Dracula. Hmm. Yeah. In the film. I don't remember that at all. Well, I'll tell you. Okay. In the film, Vlad is Prince of Wallachia trying to protect his people from the Ottoman Sultan. This much is mostly true of the real Vlad. However, Vlad is portrayed in the film as a loving husband, doting father, and kind ruler. Interesting. 
interesting indeed. We know for a fact that he was not those things. <laughs> Did Vlad the Impaler write this movie? <laughs> right? He came back just to just to put himself in this, this nice light. Propaganda from Vlad the Impaler himself. Uh, that's pretty much where the film gets away from Vlad the Impaler's history it, and moves on to Count Dracula territory. Vlad needs a way to save his son from the military draft imposed by the Ottoman Sultan. So, naturally, what does every good father do? He seeks out an ancient vampire and asks it to turn him into a vampire, too. That's what I would do. Totally logical response. From this point, the film is basically just Vlad fighting the Ottoman Empire as a vampire. Dope. Yeah. It's... I think it's supposed to be like an origin story for Count Dracula. Um, mm -hmm. So I, it's meant to be a prequel to Bram Stoker's novel. But oh, okay. Yeah. In my opinion, though, the stories of Vlad the Impaler and Count Dracula were never meant to be linked. The film kind of just took the two stories and haphazardly pushed them together. You just like smash two pieces of a puzzle that don't fit. Oh, my God. You know what it makes me think of is um, the meme of Mike Tyson forcing two birds together saying, now kith. <laughs> now kith. Now kith. Yeah, that's that's basically how I feel about the movie. Mm. That one meme encapsulates all of my feelings. I understand. And that is the joint story of Vlad the Impaler and Count Dracula. What? What? Yeah. Do you have do you have any feelings, Rose? I love vampire movies. I will watch the shittiest vampire movies <laughs> to laugh at them. Uh, okay, Twilight was a was a, a spark of cinematic genius. Don't even try. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, it has its moments. The first one, I'm not going to get into it. Anyway, no, um, we shouldn't get into it because we'll be here all night. We'll be here all night. Um, I love vampire movies. I love the movie Van Helsing uh, with, um, oh my God, what's his name? Um, with the guy with the... <laughs> Stand by. Okay, uh, and we're back. So the <laughs> Van Helsing movie with Hugh Jackman. I love that movie, even though a lot of people are like, that movie's garbage. Well, I like it. So fight me. But yeah, I mean, I love like what's um, the interview with the vampire queen of the damned like blade. Oh, my gosh. If we didn't have Dracula, we probably wouldn't have one of the greatest vampire comics of all time part of mm -hmm. the marvel the marvel universe and mm -hmm. that's blade and i love wesley snipes and his depiction of that and yeah i just love vampires so even though vlad the impaler supposedly didn't inspire dracula he didn't um, which is such a weird like fable of life like i know oh, yeah, we dracula is all... based off of vlad the impaler and that's just like weird common knowledge that's completely totally wrong yeah, we were all led to believe that. <sighs> That's annoying. But, I mean, it makes for, like, great, not propaganda, 
I don't know. Like, I guess if you're like, oh, Dracula's based off of this dude, he must have been really shitty. <laughs> but in actuality, Dracula's probably based off of Jack the Ripper. We're just making yes. connections to our first episode. All Dracula the, the character, not Dracula, Dracula the person. The, no, not the person. Sorry. No, he's trash. Uh, yeah, no, I, this is interesting. I didn't actually know a lot about Dra- uh, Vlad the Impaler. I just knew that he impaled people. <laughs> he did. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the knowledge that I started with when I, when I researched this. And um, I learned more than I ever needed to know about Vlad. And I'm glad I got to share that with you guys. So you can also experience my pain. More information on our website <laughs> about Chelsea's pain. And if you donate to our Patreon, we can go to Transylvania and see where where he was born. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this episode of Dinner and a Murder, please subscribe to our podcast and tell your friends to tune in. Yes, leave a review on on iTunes and Facebook, too. Um, we have a link tree that will be in the description of this episode. That will take you to all of our Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, our website, our anchor, our YouTube. Our YouTube is for closed captioning for our hard of hearing friends. Uh, anything else we're forgetting? I don't think so. Yeah, um, it's like Patreon, website. Uh, oh, I yes. will have pictures of the food that I had at the restaurant and the pictures of the restaurant itself on our website. And I think... Or Facebook, maybe. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, so please just follow us on social media. And we have our email as well. Dinner, Dinner and a murder and a pod. pod. At gmail.com. Okay, yeah. <laughs> at gmail.com. Okay. Well, if you donate to our Patreon, you'll get some good, cool treats and stuff like a shout out. Um, you will. You will. Early access to content. And what was the other one? Mm, polls polls you can help us pick content yes you can you can help us bump up some of our stories to be heard in the month speaking of which i know you all are waiting with bated breath for our very first listener choice episode which we had a poll for on facebook it is coming we promise it will be out in december we, we yes. pre-schedule our episodes, so we had to fit it into the schedule. But starting in December, we yes. will have one listener choice episode every month. So if you become a patron, you can help contribute to that. So stay tuned for episode four, where we'll announce that uh, poll winner. And we'll have that episode, like she said, and like Chelsea said, it will be out in December. Uh, so yeah, that's some cool... Uh, cool extras if you donate to our patreon and our website also has like i said the extra cool content and please be sure to check in every week for a new episode we release one every thursday thanks for listening thanks for (laughs) listening we will see you next thursday stay hungry bon appetit my friends bye bye